and welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, where we explore pervasive and emerging technologies and their influence and impact on society. In this series, we upload direct to you information, opinions, and insights from thought leaders, experts, and creatives from Austin and beyond. They'll share their perspectives through conversations, interviews, debates, discussion, and more. I'm Jay. I'm John. And I'm Barbary. And we co-produce the Upload for the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. I'm Jay Boisseau, and welcome to the Austin Forum Upload. I'm very pleased to have with me as my co-host for this episode, Christina Nubro. Thanks, Jay. Really happy to be here. Excited to welcome Chief Programming Officer of South by Southwest, Hugh Forrest. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So, Hugh, thanks for coming back. And, of course, you now know you're on the hook to come back and do this every year. We're big fans of South By, and we love to have this retrospective and look forward to next year. Uh, Jay, as always, I hope you can find some more interesting guests than than (laughs) me. But uh, if you can't, you know, I'm always here and always available. Well, you're nice and humble, but everybody else finds you interesting. So that's what we care about. (laughs) Nice. So um, we'll just start with the big softball question right off the bat. It's been about six weeks since South By 2019. Both Christina and I were there, and of course you were there night and day. Um, Big picture, how do you think it went? How did it compare to previous years? How excited are you about the growth and changes in it? Uh, Yes, it's been about six weeks. We've spent a lot of this time since March uh, reading through feedback, whether that be email feedback from attendees, whether that be press accounts, blog accounts, social media. I think it was a really strong year. Although I also don't exactly know what the data is that uh, makes it particularly a strong year. My kind of uh, theory is that where we are as a nation and as a world at present, um, uh, which is in many ways divided, uh, that a lot of what we offer at South by Southwest really resonates with people. There are a lot of uh, very inspirational talks, uh, a lot of great information. We offer sensory overload, so it's three or four days of not uh, having to look at headlines, read news. And, and again, I think we've had we've traditionally had some of our strongest years in years when there's been more kind of turmoil in the in the world, and and perhaps that's one of the explanations for the strong positive feedback we got this year. So, so turmoil equals good good times at South by. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I'm sure there's an even wittier way to say that. Um, uh, but uh, it's true for consulting too. <laughs> there you go. It's true for news also, right? You know, so there are lots of things that that thrive in turmoil. Well, so what were some of the big themes that emerged out of this year? I mean, I know there maybe not wasn't a a single hit app or launch or something that you can point to, but there's always many new things that emerge. What were some of the themes that really came out strong in South by this year? Well, with so much content over many, many days, there are many different themes that you can pull out of the event. I think some of the strongest one that we've had and seen for the last few years continued, uh, very strong interest, very high interest in AI, the, the the possibilities as well as the potential pitfalls. We've seen that. We saw that in 2018, 2017. I think we saw it again in 2019. Strong focus on transportation systems, future of transportation. That certainly flows into one of your uh, passions, which is smart cities. Uh, one of the things that was certainly 
A little different about South by Southwest 2019 is a strong focus on politics. We had, uh, I believe, about eight total uh, candidates for the 2020 election at the event. Um, And I think one of the, while there may not have been a breakout app at the event, I think you can say that Mayor Pete, uh, his moment kind of started at South by Southwest and he got as much runway out of the event as any uh, company app person or thing. So that was kind of neat to see. He spoke on a couple of different panels. He also did the CNN town hall uh, event and and got some push that way. Some other things that were big this year uh, or bigger this year in comparison to what we've done in the past, we did a cannabis track this year. Uh, as a way to add energy to the second half of the week, and Jay is smiling because <laughs> to add I, energy with cannabis. I just am seems always teasing Jay that we ought to do more canna- cannabis stuff at the Austin Forum. Um, uh, but that was pretty popular, and I think it's also interesting that we typically pick out the tracks for the coming year and the in the su- the previous summer and, and summer of. 2018, when we were talking about this, it seemed a little bit like, uh, do we really want to do cannabis? Uh, is that the right thing to go? And in the space of six, seven, eight months, uh, uh, cannabis has become that much more mainstream. One of our more popular or more controversial speakers in the cannabis track was former uh, U.S. Uh, Speaker of the House, John Boehner, who, as you are probably aware or could be aware, is a... Uh, the number one lobbyist for the cannabis industry now. Um, and if there's did not any, see that coming, by if the there way. is anything that says 2019 all over it, <laughs> a law and order Republican becoming <laughs> the chief lobbyist for the cannabis industry is, is that. Um, so again, those are a few of the, the big things that came out of this year's event. So 2019, could we see, political campaign launching as a part of a South by Southwest experience? Well, I, I uh, definitely 2019 was evidence that this community, particularly in this kind of time frame, has an appetite for that. And it was interesting. Um, Were you approached by any campaign managers after the fact? Well, I think there's a lot of interest in what will happen in 2020. I think yeah. one of the... the while while not as much of a moment as say Mayor Pete, uh, it was certainly again interesting, quote unquote, that Elizabeth Warren certainly teed up her South by Southwest appearance with talking the next day, saying that uh, the tech industry should be broken up, and that was, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, if you want to go into the lion's den, she might not be invited back. That was the way to do it, but she got a. She said that after herself. No, no. appearance. Didn't she? she was. That was the day before. It was the day before. Okay. She spoke on Saturday. She said that on Friday, and she, uh, you know, uh, I mean, pretty well played at her hand. Uh, at, on her part, uh, she had a full house at ACL for her session. I'm not sure that everyone agreed with her. But again, she's got some pretty interesting arguments on why that should happen. And her ultimate argument is that you break up these tech companies and you create more innovation, which is interesting. Again, not everyone agrees with that. Um, For next year, you know, it's interesting. The Texas primary will be a week before South by Southwest. So on the one hand, maybe a little less incentive and, and, and certainly I would 
imagine by March 2020, we'll have fewer than 20 Dems in the race, that it'll be pared down a little bit. But I think you'll see that again, that uh, candidates want to use the event in the same way that they've seen uh, filmmakers, bands, tech people use the event before, which is that South by Southwest is a great way to connect with a lot of important people over a short period of time. And also for politicians, uh, it is a great way to raise funds uh, when you have a, a fairly affluent audience in Austin and they can do one or two fundraisers and uh, create some some fuel for their campaign that way. So following up on Christina's question, do you expect to be approached by more candidates next year? Do you expect, and, and increasingly in future years, as people realize, wow, this is a great way to reach a lot of people. Uh, we're going to call South by Southwest and see if we can get a slot. Well, I think it's a little bit time dependent. 2020, yes, we will see. Uh, I would be shocked if we did not see an equal, if not greater amount of political uh, candidates from all stripes at the event and would would love to see more uh, from the right or from the Republican side of the aisle. But if you look forward to 2021, I would imagine that would drop off a little. You may have some Senate candidates for 2022 at the event, but again, kind of dependent on time. Uh, Certainly 2019, this year's event, we had uh, more politicians than ever before. But again, this is not entirely unprecedented you know we had we're lucky enough to have president barack obama here in 2016 we had uh vice president biden here in 2017 albeit albeit talking about the cancer moonshot we've had various other politicians over the years but this year certainly more so than ever before do you feel as a you know as instrumental in the programming that south by southwest has a particular responsibility or position to, you know, allow tracks that go into the deeper political aspirations and divisions in our country? Or can you, if you had to take a position on something, would you feel comfortable using South by to do so? Well, I think South by Southwest is always a reflection of the larger world, what's going on outside. And you saw that with with so much political interest this year. Uh, I would also say that for 2019, we doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on our efforts at uh, more uh, inclusivity and diversity within the speaker lineup, and that that is certainly reflective of the times that we live in. Um, one of the you know debates, heated debates or not, that we have a lot of at the South by Southwest office is, uh, you know, what happens if you get a, a call from the White House saying that the president wants to come to Austin? Well, no, we wouldn't do it. Well, you'd be crazy not to do it. And I think the kind of landing point that we're a little bit comfortable on is you would not give this president or any president simply a soapbox. A soapbox. I can say that word. Uh, <laughs> but if you have... Pair this person, whoever this person may be, with an interviewer who will ask tough questions, um, then then you've got something there that that we would definitely pursue. Well, so let me ask how how this was perceived and how you how your feedback forms went, and if you can break it down by sort of the tech community. So 
for example, I'm in the tech community. I participate in the tech track, taught a workshop in the tech track. I I didn't want to see the political content at South by. That doesn't mean that I disagreed with it, but uh, having it. But I didn't go see Elizabeth Warren. I didn't see any of the other political speakers. That was my chance to really go to tech and creative kinds of events and whatnot. And and I know some other techies that that lamented the incursion of politics into this. But I pointed out to them, I said, there was plenty of non-politics at the same time. You can go to anything you want. Did you did you get much negative feedback from the tech community? I mean, not just about maybe Elizabeth Warren's position, but um, and, and maybe some of the tech community agreed with that, actually. But did you get much negative feedback about the role of politics in uh, and the presence of political figures in South by Southwest? We didn't really get that uh, that kind of feedback. That doesn't mean that that's not a, a meme out there and it's just a meme that we haven't seen. But I think that, that repeating back what you said, Jay, uh, with the size and scale of South by Southwest at this point, um, I'm entirely comfortable with, yeah, we'll offer uh, the, the politicians over here. But if you don't like that, you can see... You know, smart cities here, or you can see food here, or you can see sports here, or you can see social impact here right. at the same time. And uh, so, uh, you may never even interact with that uh, with that kind of content. Uh, whereas a lot of other great events that are smaller, you know, if Elizabeth Warren is coming in, that's the only thing at any given time, and you're kind of forcing everyone to see that. But again, South by Southwest is just emerged and evolved as a kind of different beast in terms of the scale that it's reached in its current state. It, it truly has. I, I, I tell everybody that I work with and for every year that it's my holy week. And huh. every year I, I, I well, fail uh, to get people to recognize that, 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 that as that my religion. That shows your but, particular uh, craziness, Jay. Yeah. But, um, you know, another one, that, and I, I'm uh, remiss not to mention it, but uh, certainly one of the the other big stars at this year's event, uh, 2019 event, was AOC, um, who turned out to be probably our most popular speaker this year. Um, and I think you can, uh, you know, on the one hand, you can say, you can take your perspective, Jay, well, I don't really want to see politics, but I think that what AOC represents um fits in very well with what has traditionally been popular at South by Southwest. She is, she has strong opinions from a left perspective, and you may or may not agree with that, but she uses social media very well, very aggressively. And South by Southwest, if nothing else, you can always say that, you know, we are the epicenter of social media. And um, so, uh, again, in, in retrospect, it makes complete sense how popular she was at the event. I'm in tech too, but I have a small soft spot for politics. I, you know, I work for a small startup company called Helper Bees and we're very hypermetric focused because we have to be, we live and die by our numbers, right? I know you haven't fully looked at the data yet, but just curious what, you know, you've done this for 30 odd years. What does success look like to you? How do you know if the festival is successful? What do you define as success? That is a great question. And unfortunately, my answers are much less sophisticated there than I should be. I think that every year we measure uh, a, a part of the measuring stick on success is 
you know, did we have plain and simple more registrants than the year before? Um, I, I a registrants just curious, are they check-ins or actual tickets purchased? Tickets or? purchased okay. uh, versus check-ins. There's always a, a portion of people. By the way, what is that number? How many interactive registrants were there this year? Between paid and comp, it's you know it's in the thirty thousand figure. Yeah. If everyone was in the same room at the same time, thank goodness <laughs> they are not. Um, but we we there was a period from say two thousand five to two thousand twelve where badge sales were just growing exponentially. We have you know, we've much more leveled off in that growth at this point, which is a, is a good thing. And I'm always uh, trying to preach the mantra that quality is much more important than quantity. The data that I really like to have more of is knowing, having better figures on how many people are in what speaker room and what does that mean about our audience. We, we will scan badges. There's an RFID chip. In a batch, they're scanned going in. Inevitably, that data is not quite perfect. And because people may not leave a room beforehand, there's some anomalies there. So that data is never as, as, as uh, good or as strong as we'd like. Um, given your background, Christina, one of the things that we were, you know, surprises and or things that we were disappointed on is over the last, you know, five years... <clears throat> Some of the most popular content has been the content that focused on social good, social impact, uh, giving back to the community. Uh, for 2019, that content was almost exclusively located at the Lion Hotel, and it just did not do as well as we anticipated. Probably another uh, reminder there of the importance of location. I mean, the Lion Hotel is two blocks away from the convention center, but uh, those two blocks can make all the difference yeah. in the world yeah. um, and, and can be the difference between a panel room, a, a session room that is full and one that, that isn't. Um, but nonetheless frustrating at our end because we thought, because we programmed some really great stuff there that we wanted more people to see and they, they didn't necessarily see it. But, but that's good that you're at least tracking that. I mean, I know there's more advanced things you can do and we'll explore each year. And I've, I've talked with some of your tech staff actually about this kind of stuff, but it's good that you, that you track that well enough to know that a track that had been very, very popular, the location, even just two blocks away yeah. made a big difference. And I, I, you know, I would even have a hypothesis on that. I, I would go to a lot of the tech for social good content in the past but often I'd pick a talk here and there adjacent to a talk on AI or something else. And when it was all concentrated in one place and more than a short walk from adjacent talks that I might want to see on other topics, I, I confess, I didn't make it to the line for yeah. those I'll talks fully this year. Admit, yeah. I got lost at the line this year. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, where is this stuff? And I, I just bailed and went to the bar. Well, I will say that the line is a great venue. You should it check is. it out yeah. at some point, whether it's South by Southwest or some other time. It is, you know, it's the... Old booth. Radisson, Old Sheraton. Mm -hmm. It's got great views. It's got a really neat restaurant. Um, it is branded, rebranded as an art uh, hotel. So good stuff there. The other thing that didn't do as well this year as we anticipated and probably is the same uh, reason is the content at the Fairmont. 
mm-hmm. which was the brands and marketing content, which has been extremely popular in years past. And so why did that do less, uh, was less crowded this year than in previous years? And my unsupported by data explanation is that we kind of changed the layout of the convention center this year and it was a little bit on its own island. I'll also say that, you know, our understanding of whether these sessions did well or not so well is less data informed and more just eyeball informed. Wow, there are a lot of open seats in that room. Um, so uh, again, it, it, our use of data, we, we can still improve a lot in that in future years. What other surprises did you have this year? And I mean from the tech community in particular, since this is a tech and society focused podcast. Well, I think other surprises that we had this year were, uh, you know, again, uh, how popular the the, the AI stuff. I, I'm still kind of amazed that that that, <clears throat> that continues to peak. Um, uh, the, I heard there was a really great workshop talk by I, one of the hosts I, of this show and the was, sound engineer to my right. That was my biggest right. surprise yeah, yeah, of the yeah. event, right? Oh, I set myself up for that <laughs> one, I think, actually. Yeah. Um, I think we're also uh, surprised and, and amazed and pleasantly, uh, you know, very pleasantly so, at the continued uh, growth in international participation of the event. I noticed that actually observation as a, as an attendee in the last four years, there was a significant growth in just people around, people mingling. Yeah. I'm really amazed at how many countries, uh, cities and countries have their own venues yes. and, and their really own cool. programming throughout South by Southwest. I must have been in several European countries' venues during South by Southwest this year. Yeah, you saw, well, continued strong push from the EU at this year's event. But uh, you're also seeing growth from China, Japan, Korea, a lot of uh, Asian countries, and that's fascinating. I, I, I uh, like this on several different levels. It's neat that it's one of mm-hmm. the few yeah. times in Austin where you hear different languages on the street. I think it's also neat in the 2019 climate where we are an event that shows that uh, that international participation is important and that we are a global community and that uh, we are not stuck in our little national outlook and kind of enough said <laughs> coyly there. But um, that international growth is really exciting to see. Um, you know, something that, that was another kind of trend at this year's event uh and uh, not necessarily unexpected given the current climate, but a lot of sessions, a lot of talk uh, on this general theme of digital distrust, uh, tech clash, and that certainly uh, is reflective of the times where we live. We're recording this uh, session a day after Facebook has banned uh, Alex Jones and others from their platform, but you know we're in a, a post-Cambridge Analytica world where uh, more and more people are understanding, realizing uh, the challenges of privacy. Uh, that tech companies uh, may have more of your data than you thought, and how are they using that? And again, that was a interesting uh, discussion and thread that wove through a lot of the content 
at the event. And it's also interesting when I think about that to compare back to one of our more famous alums from South by Southwest, alums I previous speakers, was uh, when Edward Snowden um, talked here yeah. via, you know, Yeah, not exactly here, but right, well, presented here. <laughs> presented here via the magic of the interwebs. Yeah. Um, but when you think about that in the context of 2019, at that point, it was, watch out, the government has all your data. <laughs> and fast forward three or four years, and it's now, watch out, private companies have all your data. <laughs> it's interesting that it took a lot of us that long to, you know, put A and B together and equal C. You know, we had an Austin Forum event, as you know, on uh, social media and data and privacy uh, about a year ago. And um, we had different panelists on that. And I really uh, appreciated uh, the guy from Spreadfast who pointed out, look, as a customer, you want companies to know you. They've always wanted to know you, to make better products for you, support you better, serve you better. And you actually want that. The question isn't whether they, they know you better. The question that you really should be asking them is, what are they doing with that data outside of what they do? I mean, Apple's famous for this, right? Apple, certainly they collect lots of data on what you do with their devices, but they're, they're famous about their stance, which I, I tend to believe as an Apple user, that they don't sell the data to anyone else. And so you don't have to worry about where else in the ecosystem that data is and what else it's being used for. But the reality is every company you interact with is going to have and want to have increasing amounts of data on you to serve you better. And it's up to you in some cases to figure out what data you're willing to share and which companies you're willing to support based on their policies for what they do with that data. And I, I do think government regulation is hugely important there, but it doesn't seem to be able to keep up with the, the rate at which companies can figure out new analytics techniques and new ways to share that data and monetize it. And that's what concerns me is how... You're right. It's more about whether the companies have it than government because it's all monetizable. So how do you, you know, we can put pollution controls on things, but it's it's difficult to put tech controls on things. Data is so easy to move. And well, I share. will say that, and uh, harking back to a conversation that uh, you and Christine and I had before we began taping here, uh, we do not, uh, for South by Southwest, there is an RFID uh, chip in your badge but that RFID chip just goes to a number which is not associated to a name. So I cannot, I can't go back to my lab and say, hmm, what did Jay go, what sessions did Jay go see? That would be, on the one hand, some really interesting content. It wasn't and, the politics ones and it wasn't the cannabis business ones. I'll yeah. tell you right now. <laughs> so. uh, some really interesting data and, and probably monetizable data, uh, but it is something that we have made a decision that that is not fair to do. I'd wager on some level it's, it's and this is probably obvious, it's demographic related too, right? I mean, we're going to move into a time when there wasn't even a question of whether or not you had it. I assumed you had it. You know, myself, people younger than myself are just willingly, yeah, I know it's assumed. I, I talked this device, I thought you were going to go ahead, like do whatever you want with it. So the attitude about control, I think, is going to change and I'd be curious to see, I mean, I, we use data a ton in my company and for the benefit of creating better products. That's right. You guys are taking, actually taking care of people's health. Care is, you know, it's related to health. So, you know, I feel like there's 
there's a right way to do this. There's an intrusive way to do it. There's always the option. You know, I'm a split Android and Apple person. And so I constantly deselect. No, I do not want to share whatever I'm doing analytics with you to like, provide better feedback. But I've, I think it's an education piece too. But, I know but the, to do that. And I, and I agree. I think that the kind of more nuanced question here or thought here, discussion point here is not whether data or not. It's whether, as you say, do I know what... Uh, the said company is doing with my data or am I given the option to opt out or not? Um, I would agree that, that younger users are uh, probably more comfortable with that than, than perhaps other users. I also think that we'll, we'll see more and more just market solutions to this, that uh, you will see some kind of social media company make a run for it that, is not free that it's a you know five dollar a month ten dollar a month and they can potentially monetize on that. I've been waiting as for that to I, your data. I expect somebody to make that run. Um, I have grown. Is it comfortable or just acceptance? Um, I'm now when I have a social media feed, I know that if I send a uh, mail through Gmail to somebody and then go log into a social media network, I fully expect that ad to be in there about whatever I talked about in that last email. More often than not these days, it is. And I guess I'm okay with that because I make sure that I don't share certain data in Gmail or Facebook or something. But I would pay for that service. I would pay for one that at least had a policy of that and a method of audit, a third-party audit, to prove that they were living up to that so that I could trust it. I would pay for that service. I think so. I mean, I think it would price point determinant, but... If you're five dollars a month, that seems like a pretty uh, reasonable fee uh, in exchange for holding on to your holding on to your data. Uh, although it does beg the question of how many of these five and ten dollar and fifteen dollar a month services will people pay for? Because actually, at South by this past year, there was the group of industry execs that talked about a new video service, and it was all about short form video right. and how they thought there Could was. Be. That's it. And they, they said, you know, we believe Netflix is going to get theirs and we believe HBO is going to get theirs and Disney's not out yet, but we're confident Disney's going to get theirs. Yeah. But we think there's still a market for 5 to $10 for this different kind of video out there. And I thought they made some, some great arguments, but the point is at some point you run out of 5 here, 10 here, 15 there, and I wonder what that limit's going to be. I love the subscription service model. But eventually, the total number of subscriptions becomes a significant number. Yeah. Uh, great point on Quidby, uh, who they were our opening speaker, I mean, our keynote speaker mm -hmm. on Friday, March 8th. And I think they, their presence at the event also, you know, uh, points to uh, another one of the big trends, which is this, you know, ongoing convergence between technology and media, mm -hmm. uh, whether that be Disney, whether that be Netflix, whether that be Amazon, whether that be Apple producing their own content. Right. Uh, we have certainly ventured into a new age here that a uh, few of us could have thought would have happened even five, seven, ten years ago. And with the various, you know, big buckets that South by Southwest covers, uh, we've uh, become, again, a, a place for a lot of the innovators in this space to talk about what they're doing. Right. So a question that always comes up on the tech side of things is diversity. Um, how have you seen the diversity 
especially in the tech portion of South by Change? How how do you feel like it took any steps forward in 2019? Have we sort of plateaued? I know we still have a lot of work to do, but are you seeing good momentum in changing that? Or do you feel like it's a lot more work to do? Well, yeah, of course, there, I, I think there is a ton more work to do. Um, I think we have done a much better job as organizers of being conscientious uh, that uh, we can do a better job of, of leading the way on this. And uh, from our stand, from our standpoint, that's kind of easy to do. You know, you you look at our keynote lineup, and we've got three keynotes slot filled and three that aren't filled yet, and the three are white men. Well, we need to; those last three need to be uh, women and or people of color. Um, so, simply creating a lineup that is more diverse and inclusive, a lineup of speakers is again, relatively easy. Uh, you know, adding, uh, getting more uh, uh, more diversity and inclusion within big tech companies, within startups, um, is a much harder proposition yeah. than that. But I think that, again, events like South by Southwest can help lead the way in that. One of the other interesting things about uh, this year's event was the first day was Friday, March 8th, which is also International Women's Day. Uh, our decision was to kind of underplay that, not make a big deal of it, but still try to program some incredibly smart, powerful, innovative, forward-thinking women that day. And uh, I think we were very successful in that. Our opening speaker was Dr. Brene Brown, who's spoken at South by Southwest before. Um talks a lot about leadership, about strength, about relationships. She was very, very popular. And I think that set a, a very strong tone for the event. Other strong women speakers we had on day one ranged from Priscilla Chan talking about uh, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative to uh, Maria Shriver talking about her work with Alzheimer's, particularly uh, as related to women. Uh, so again, I think that set a real tone for the event that resonated throughout the next, uh, the, the, the week that followed. What are your initial thoughts for 2020? How does, how will the tech program change? That is a great question because we're beginning to talk about 2020 and what kind of tracks we'll do for next year. Uh, one of the things that we felt like got a lot of play this year um, is this concept that uh, as connected as we are with social media, with smartphones, with our computers and with our devices, uh, there is more loneliness than ever before. And do we uh, do more content on that for 2020? Uh, I think that is a pretty interesting topic within um, uh, the, the kind of things that South by Southwest does well. Uh, other things we've talked about, do we do, you know, for instance, more space stuff? Space has always been popular at South by Southwest. Do we push even harder than that? Uh, I think space has a lot of things that are really sexy about it. It's aspirational. Think of you know how Kennedy used uh, the space program in the '60s, early '60s, to 
uh, create a different narrative. Uh, although the more cynical side is that, you know, now that we've screwed up the earth, do we all <laughs> right. go to Mars and try to start over? And we'll get it right next time. Yeah, so, we will yeah. get it right next time. It may take a few years, slight years <laughs> to get there, but all it's all good. Um, I think that, uh, you know, other technologies uh, are hard to... Uh, be certain if they're ready to 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 uh, cover more aggressively. And I'm thinking, for instance, uh, do we do a quantum track for 2020? Um, I tend to think that quantum, outside of our friend uh, Worley here in Austin, <laughs> most people don't understand it, and it's uh, still a few years before it's even relatively mainstream. And you know, you timing is everything, and we don't want to get in too early on that. But uh, now is the time of the year where we can have those kind of big picture discussions on, wow, what is going to be really hot uh, next next spring? And uh, the good news in those discussions, there are no right answers and no wrong answers, and will probably you know be something that completely surprises us. But the more we talk about it the more likely we're going to get kind of close to it. I, You know, the one that I keep hoping will really blow up is CRISPR. And obviously it's one of the most important discoveries of the last century. I'm hopeful that the amount of content around it will blow up. Um, at, at one of the film festivals earlier this year, I saw the one that Dan Rather was one of the producers for uh, Human Nature, I think it was called. And um, it, it, it's just an amazing technology, probably right up there with computers <clears throat> and space flight and the web as among the most revolutionary technologies and potentially societally transforming technologies. Do you see much growth in the kinds of content that at a South by Southwest? So even if there's not a lot of content, doesn't mean it's unimportant, but do you see does South by have a, a voice for that kind of content? Is there a place for that? I think we do. Uh, we had two years ago, uh, 2017, Jennifer Doudna, who is one of the kind of co-founders, uh, pioneers of the CRISPR movement spoke here that the film that you referenced played at South by Southwest this year and Dan Rather was on a panel afterwards and apparently that panel was packed. Um, so I think there is a ton of interest in that. It is similar to AI in that, wow, this technology can do some really amazing things, but you can imagine that in the wrong hands, it can also do some really challenging things. And we've already seen that with the doctor in China, who I believe is now in prison for, for the CRISPR work he's done. So I think we'll see more of that content that is traditionally fallen within the, the CRISPR content is traditionally fallen within the health and med tech. Um, although you've seen some uh, CRISPR stuff happen in you know startup tracks and some of the other things that we do. Well, great. Well, Hugh, thank you for spending this time with us. Any last thought, Christine, any last questions you've got or? I could go on for a while. So it <laughs> feels like this is great for today. Yeah, we're, we're fortunate to get access to Hugh more than most folks. But thank you for stopping by and sharing all this with our audience. Well, thanks for having me. And again, it was a strong year. And, uh, you know, I always, and Jay knows this from me talking at Austin Forum, always like to push what our mission statement is because as much as South by Southwest changes, hopefully this doesn't. And that mission statement is that whether it's CRISPR, whether it's autonomous cars, or whether it's data, uh, we are all about creative people and South by Southwest helps creative people achieve their goals. Great final point. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.